You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guests and hear their story. Brian, welcome to Real Faith Stories. I am really looking forward to this conversation today. Thanks, Brian. I have been looking forward to this too. And and you have such a great name, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you know the backstory on the I versus the Y spelling of Brian? My parents shared this with me. Oh, I got to hear this. The Y is an institutional spelling for a name or street. So I'm sorry, Brian, you're going to have to change it. <laughs> Well, I think a lot of people might agree with institution when they talk about me. So so maybe I'm aptly named. (laughs) Absolutely. No, it's really good to have you on the show. I would love for you as a, are you still a hospice chaplain? Do you still do that work, Brian? I, it's been a while since I was actually walking in the chaplain's shoes. I've, I tell people I've given over to the dark side of spreadsheets and budgets and now I'm an, a healthcare executive mm. but I've I really spent so many years as a chaplain and really the things that I do now for hospitals are successful because of what I did as a chaplain for so many years it seems like you encounter people and you get that right one on one at the bedside and then that helps you do you know more on a, a bigger scale in the right way yeah. Well, I'd love to hear your backstory and how you actually got into the hospice chaplaincy. And then I've got a bunch of questions for you after that. <laughs> yeah, happy to. I wish I had like a story to share where God spoke to me in a bright light or something and said, this is your future, Brian. But God spoke very simply through a newspaper ad. And my mother-in-law actually I remember handing me this clipping of this newspaper ad. That's how long ago the job posting was (laughs) in the paper. And she said, I think you should apply for this. I did. And I think God works through little things like newspapers, you know, and definitely through (laughs) mother-in-laws. Yes. (laughs) That's what got me into it. Now, how many years were you in that? When did you start? I'm curious. So I started in the 90s and did that for um, over 10 years. and was a full-time thing. So I was seeing, you know, a lot of folks every day that were confronting their mortality and got to just hear hundreds and hundreds of people confronting that and and really waiting for a, a savior that's with open arms, just there kind of waiting to catch them as they walk into the next existence. And it's just been a life-changing experience for me. Oh, I can only imagine. Tell me some of the stories that spring to mind that are just most profound. I'd love to hear a few. Yeah, I I think the number of times I've just been in that situation where you're down to your last breaths, there, there's a power there. You get to the end and literally all we have left is those remaining breaths in our lungs and really, Brian, what you believe. I mean, you strip away all your possessions, all of the noise of your life, and you're down to you know, those final moments. And you could tell the folks that really just lived well and, and were confident and ready to meet the Savior in that moment. And you can tell the folks that really struggled and had regrets and 
like I got to see a, a lot of examples of both of those and that that really speaks just volumes over time. What were the consistent regrets that you heard? What I've learned is that there's a power of words in our life, both good words and bad words. And I've learned that good words are kind of like spark plugs propelling us forward, if you will. Uh, we see the effects of like someone pays you a compliment or you pay someone a compliment and you see their cheeks flush red mm -hmm. or you say something that's funny and they laugh or you say something very positive and their posture straightens up. There's a power in good words that maybe we don't use enough of in our, our world today. You know, I think we could do a lot more to surround ourselves with good words and really to surround others around each other with good words. But I think in that situation near the end, you kind of learn what bad words have held people back. It sounds so simple, I know, but it's quite profound because a lot of the bad words, you know, were, were statements that we internalize, like I'm not beautiful enough, or I'm not smart enough, or I'm, I'm not enough. Fill in the blank there. We've all had those statements. Mm-hmm. And I think when we get to the end, either those statements are still weighing so heavily on us, we've still not dealt with them, or we've encountered those and dealt with those and realized, I am enough. I, I don't have to live with the burden of that not weighing down on me anymore. So what I'm hearing is people that are passing with regrets, it's tied to things that were spoken to them and over them earlier in life. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think that's so accurate. And it's it's amazing, you know, a, a father's walking through the living room after a rough day at work and he says something to a, a child or a teenager. And it's amazing how long a statement that's delivered with, you know, the wrong inflections or maybe an anger even it's amazing how we hold on to those sometimes. I bet a lot of folks listening to this could think of some statements they've really held on to that they were told early on in life that if you really thought about it, they're not true, but we've we've held on to them for a long time and we've carried them around like burdens. You say that you've learned that God has equipped us to live powerful, fulfilled lives and he didn't create us to live timid lives of regret. Let's dig into that a little. What do you mean by that? What I'm discovering is God really made us to live in this power, this paradise, if you will. If you think back to the Garden of Eden, and we know what happened with Adam and Eve. We know that story well. We're still living it, right? Yeah. They were kicked out for some decisions that they made. What still gives me goosebumps, I guess, Brian, is that God never went back and reorganized our equipment. And when you think about it, there are components inside of us that they're still in the exact location when God installed them. They still have his fingerprints on them. And a lot of us really aren't using some of those components. And it, it's things like we've been chatting about already, like we're designed to run on the power of good words in a lot of ways. Mm. And there, there's some truths there. And I think that when we engage in those truths, when we reconnect some of that that Eden equipment, if you will, you really plug into a power that we were intended to have in our lives that somehow we've you know lost track of. How do we identify 
what that quote equipment is and how do we re-engage with that so that we don't live lives of regret? Yeah, that's a great question too. I saw this news story, I'll tell you, just random. It's It happened, I think, just a year or two ago in Louisiana. And it's the story of this house that caught fire. And these firemen respond to this fire. And as they're putting out the flames, they realize the fire burned down to the two by fours, the frame of the house, and the flames stopped. Hmm. And as the firemen are kind of sorting through the the debris and shining flashlights through the smoke, they realize there's word, there are words written in marker on these two by fours. And they discovered that the family members, when they built the house, they actually wrote scripture on the beams of this house before they, you know, added the drywall and all of the other layers. Mm -hmm. I have just been so struck by that visual because I think if you peeled back the layers of of my outside, of our outside, and you looked at the bare wood of our beams, you know, of our framework, I think there's some truth written there. There's some words that God really wanted us to have written on our beams. Mm-hmm. And we believe some of them, words like forgiven or words like redeemed, you know, we know some of those words. But I think some of us have written some untrue words, probably all of us have in some time or in some fashion, that that really aren't really what God wanted us to be about. They're the I'm not stuff again. And I, I think those we engage with our real equipment when we start to realize what's true and what's not. We start to see what God's written and we go back and underline those words maybe and highlight those words. And maybe we we do some erasing of the untruths. I think that gives us a power, that gives us a confidence that overcomes that timidity. How do they identify it first and how do they deal with it? Well, I think we do that for each other a lot. I really do. I think you get surround yourself with folks that we're close to and they can help point out some truths in your life. Sometimes it's a great experience. Sometimes it's a little painful, but I think our good friends, our good loved ones, help us see what's true about us and, and maybe what's not. So that's one way. Let's say you sit down with a loved one, a trusted friend. What question would you ask them to help uncover these untruths? I, you know, I think we've got to look through that lens that God looks with for sure. So, you know, your trusted friend is is somebody who's able to to look through that lens. I think a good question for them is, what do you see in me? that God's using? What do you see in me that God loves? You know, And I think the answer may maybe is a little surprising sometimes for folks because we think we know what that answer is, but here's someone else reflected back a little different perspective. Is that something you would counsel someone to do if they're experiencing these words that are causing them to live in a sense of, I'm not enough? Yeah, definitely. There's been times when I would sit in that situation at the bedside with folks and you can see that that weight on their shoulders and just to be able to say to them, you know, I know you see yourself that way, but you know what I see? This is what I see about you. Or I watched you interact with your daughter today and I'll tell you what I think she sees in you. Just being able to flip that camera angle, so to speak, and sound simple But that view can dramatically change, I think, when we see ourselves through someone else's eyes. They take some real vulnerability 
to be able to even ask that question, doesn't it? Agreed. Because I, I think we're afraid of the answer. I think we're unfortunately oriented toward the negative and immediately think there someone's going to just dump on us when we ask that question or affirm or confirm what what we thought was true, but it's a lie. Yeah. I, you know, those not statements like I'm not smart enough. I think when we ask questions of how do you see me or how do you think your daughter, for example, sees you, our fear is they're going to underline that not smart enough line, the one we really are afraid of. But often that's not the case. You are coming out with a book soon. What is the name of that book? It's called Eden Equipment, and it is exactly what we're talking about. It's how to dust off and reconnect all of those components that we've been wired with, those features that God's given us to live confidently that maybe we haven't really engaged yet, or maybe we're not even aware are there. Mm. So it's it's coming out, I hope, this summer. Hoping it's going to be something that helps some folks move forward and tackle some of that. In this process of writing this book, if you would, please share some of the tenets of the book and how somebody would apply that to their lives. I think there's a lot to uncover there. There's there's about 20 chapters that we've poured some stories into. And what I've tried to do is tell some stories that are fun, some stories that are funny, some stories that are entertaining, and then apply that truth, apply some of those equipment features to the, the stories there, that are in the book. And I think what, it, what you end up doing as you read through it is you have moments where you're laughing, you have moments where you're moved, maybe even to tears, and you have moments where you're thinking, and I think the end result is you walk away with some helpful information you can you can use as you assess your own existence and your own life. So would you mind sharing a story? Oh, I'd love to. That's Yeah, that's my favorite part. I saw a story on the news about this man in Australia who was catching a train going to work. And he's standing on the platform and this train pulls into the station and there's a, you probably know this, anybody who's got on a subway train before, there's a small crack between the platform and the train car. And I don't know if it's the crowd pressing in on him, but somehow his foot lands perfectly in the wrong way. And he falls one leg down into this crack. And I mean, when he falls, he falls as far down as one leg will let him. <laughs> so he's, you know, in deep. Mm-hmm. And He's stuck. I mean, he is stuck in the worst way. So problem is the train's on a schedule and you you know there's a lot of fear in this moment I think because what happens if this train starts to move? It's really bad news. Oh yeah. Conductor stops the train and the solution I think's what what brings it home for me, Brian, is his solution is he gets everyone to step off of the train and all of the people that were on the train begin to push the side of the train and together they move this massive subway train just enough, like just a couple of inches and it's enough for him to pull his leg free. And when I heard the story, I was just so moved because I think we all definitely have times where we're down in the crack and stuck for sure. But I don't know that we all spend enough time stepping off the train and helping push, 
helping put our shoulder into other people's problems. Because I, I know, I don't know about you, I know me, sometimes you're pretty comfy on the train. And so taking some time to step off and really help someone push against something they're struggling with, it's not as easy sometimes. But that's been a just one that really stuck with me is I think God designed us not to live this life alone. Yeah. You know, we're designed to not for a solo act here. We're designed to have folks that step off the train and help us push against our problems. You know, as you're sharing this story, which is an incredible story, what resonates in me is the sense of God has deposited in you what is needed for other people for you to push the train for them. I mean, that's really what you're saying. And if we would just pause for a minute and think about our giftings, think about what's inside of us, there are people around us that could be helped by us in such profound ways if we would just take a step of faith and reach out. So true. That is so true. What's another story, please? Here's a, here's a funny one for you. So this is this Eden equipment is actually not the first book I've written. I wrote a children's book and it was banned from Christian education. So my daughter and I've always had this ritual, this bedtime ritual where I'm I'm the guy who tells the bedtime story. I'm the guy that sings the lullaby that brings the second and third drink of water. And, <laughs> you know, you know how bedtime goes yep. with little girls. Well, during this process, we came up with our own bedtime story. It's this funny story. Every time I've shared it with kids that I always get a belly laugh back from them. It's just a cute story about a baby that gets this crazy kind of diaper rash. So the story is beautifully illustrated by this friend of ours that draws just beautifully. And she's really done a great job painting the picture of our words. And so we took this story once we had it published to my daughter's school and her teachers thought, this is great. Let's have your daughter read to our kindergarten class. Mm -hmm. What a great thing. Principal found out about it and said, I think this is a great idea. Let's get all of the kindergarten classes together. She can read to all of them. Only one problem, principal read the book. And <laughs> when she read it, she came across two words that ended up making the book banned for the entire school. And the words were butt and crack. So you can censor, censor those two on your show for sure. And when you put them together, you probably know you get butt crack. But they <laughs> so. must have been on separate pages and se totally separate paragraphs, right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so... I, I think it's still for sale if you you know you want to check that one out on Amazon. But I think that's I walked away from that experience learning a deeper lesson because we've all got a story to tell. And sometimes we let just one or two bad words keep us from sharing our entire story with our intended audience. And what a shame it is if you would get to the end of your story and not have shared that. You know, who better to share than the author? It makes me want to circle back on your experience again as a hospice chaplain. What is it that you encountered that at the end of life actually shifted something for someone who felt regret and then you saw a breakthrough, an aha moment? I don't have one that's coming to mind because I've seen it a lot. And that's what's so remarkable is how heavy that burden feels and how long we carry it 
and some sometimes how little it takes for us to set it down. So how did that happen? How did the setting it down occur? I think it's it has a lot to do with permission. And I think someone that says to you, I don't see you that way, or I hear what you've told me, and I, I see that's a big problem for you, but I don't see that that the way you do. And wow. here's how I see it. And I think that shift in perspective is a permission for them to, maybe for, for us even, for ourselves, to lay that burden down. We could literally be, based on what you just said, one conversation away from being set free. We could. And back to that train, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, There's a burden I may not be able to shoulder by myself, but I think if we all put our shoulders against it, we can move a lot. So there, there's folks that are carrying around something that's not true about themselves. And I I might have been one that said a few words to them and said, that's not you, lay that down. Maybe that's not enough, but maybe if I say it and you say it and a few of us say it, maybe that's enough to move that train just enough for them to get unstuck. I like that. It's a great analogy. Any other thoughts regarding your book coming out here? Any other ideas, concepts that you'd like to share? I think one of the big features in our equipment, just to kind of close us out, is we've got this ability to ask that we don't do enough of. And it's that whole James chapter four stuff. You know, you you don't have what you want because you haven't asked. Mm. And that's a feature that's hardwired inside of us. And, you know, Jesus points it out for sure. Like, hey, ask my dad for it. Ask our father for it if you have something you need or want. And he kind of doubles down on it. He's telling us, ask repeatedly. And we don't do that enough, I think. And then we struggle in not having what we need. So I I think that's one feature I'd kind of leave with everybody is if there's something you're dealing with, make sure you're asking for it because the one that can give it is waiting for you to ask. How can people find out more about you and your book? If you text my name and it's spelled the wrong way, it's spelled with a Y. So if you text B-R-Y-A-N, to 66866. It'll take you to this really great page. It's got just a couple of buttons you can click like to get in touch with some things. There's a button to click to uh, sign up for the book. There's a button to click for following me on social media. And then there's there's a button to click, actually, if you'd like me to come and speak at your church or come and tell some really great stories like these ones about foul language books in kids' schools and things like that. There's a button for that too. And and then um, last button on the page, all the proceeds from the sale of this book are going to go to a nonprofit that I started a few years ago called Boomerang Ministry. And it's all about helping ministers bounce back from trauma and cancer. And there's been a lot of folks I've encountered in my journey that they're doing some great work for God out there, but they've fallen and gotten stuck in the crack. They need some help from folks to kind of get them back on their feet. And we've done some really neat stuff like paid a salary for someone who was on chemo and couldn't work or help with some expenses for a ministry who fell off a roof and couldn't Mm. work for a while. And so if you buy the book, you're um, hopefully getting in touch with some things that can help you move forward, but you're also in the process helping someone else move forward too. 
It's great. As we finish up, Brian, would love to have you pray for our listeners, please. What an honor. Thank you for that, Brian. Absolutely. Dear God, I just pray for everyone that's listening to this broadcast, wherever they're at in their schedules, in their day, in their activities, that they will hear your voice today, that they will hear it in its true form and as it speaks truth in their life, that they'll be reminded of the things that they really are, that they'll be reminded of the way God sees them. And maybe as they are, they'll discover some things that they once believed about themselves that simply aren't true. And we just pray that all in Jesus' name. Thanks, Brian. Loved your story. Really appreciate you being on the show. Fantastic. Thanks for the opportunity, Brian. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.